Hello, my friend. Before we start this amazing episode, I want to invite you to the personal Patreon page of this podcast. If you love what's being done here and want to keep the podcast and the meditations free to the public, then you can come on over to our brand new community on Patreon and donate $11.11 a month and all proceeds will go towards keeping this free, keeping this going. Plus, we'll be building a community together and I'll give you bonus material. You can explore this option in the description of this podcast or just go to patreon.com slash Dr. Reese. Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. So are we eternal beings? Welcome to episode number 99. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Ingrid Hankala. She's a marine biologist, oceanographer, NASA and Navy scientist, but she's also the author of a book called A Brightly Guided Life, How a Scientist Learned to Hear Her Inner Wisdom. And this book is all based on her near-death experience at only two years old and other mystical events that have happened in her life. So sit down, relax, and take in this beautiful and valuable recording. Let's begin. Dr. Honkala, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Kevin, for having me here. It's such an honor, blessing to be here with you. So... You had a near-death experience at two years old? Mm-hmm. Two years old. Wow. Okay. So, and you remember it? Absolutely everything. And that's what makes this story so amazing, I think. <laughs> what calls people's attention. How can you remember this? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you remember? I was playing with a ball when I had the accident and, and brown. I could even feel the texture, remember the texture of the vault. Were you in a tub or a pool or? Yeah, um, what happened is that um, at the time, both of my parents work and they will leave us at the care of a maid. And it, when my parents left, this lady wouldn't really care <laughs> what we were doing. So, like we're talking about, I was close to three years old. I had a sister that was close to four. And when my parents left and uh, we realized that the lady wasn't watching, oh, nobody's paying attention. We went to uh, a patio in the house. And in this patio, there was a tank. And the purpose of this tank was uh, to collect water for hand washing clothes. And uh, this tank was pretty, pretty big. It held about 900 gallons of water. So because the tank was big, we have to grab a couple of stools, climb the tank. And the whole thing was that my sister saw this ball and she looked at me and she said, let's play catch across mm -hmm. the tank. 
So right. because at the time we didn't have washing machine, this tank was for washing clothes that next to the tank, there was a flat surface. My sister sat there, so she was a little bit safer. I went on the other side of the tank and it was a thin edge. And I was just folding my legs. Who thought about any danger? I'm just mm -hmm. having fun. And I'm leaning really precariously in this tank. So what happened is the moment she threw the ball, she didn't apply enough force and the ball fell on the surface of the water. And I, I leaned forward thinking I could have it, grab the ball. Then when I touched it, it rolled and I fell into the tank. Mm. And you drowned. Yes. And, and the first feeling, Kevin, was, was the sense of this is another thing I cannot forget, how cold this water was. Mm. Because people have the misconception mm. that because I was born in Colombia, I come from hot weather country, but I was born in Bogota, high up in the Andes. So the temperature in this water probably was around 30 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. Fahrenheit. So when I felt that cold, it was like, <gasps> it was, that was the first thing that shocked me. Mm. And the second thing that shocked me is uh, I never have been in a pool. We did not have a bathtub. So I never have had my head under the water. I didn't know that if you fall in a tank, like you're underwater, you drown. So imagine now on top of this sense of this water is frigid cold now, what is going on? Why I cannot breathe? And at that moment, of course, I enter in this state of absolute horror. Yeah. And I am like, why I cannot breathe? And my sister is there and I sunk in this tank and I could hear her voice calling me and there's nothing I could do. I didn't know how to swim. I didn't know what was happening. And then this is the, the incredible thing that is so vivid, so amazing to remember and is that I went from that moment of absolute terror in just a blink like that to wow. absolute peace mm. it was the sense of oh I don't have to fight I don't know why but I don't need to breathe I don't need to escape. I don't need to go anywhere. Ah, this just feels absolutely amazing. Mm. And when that moment of peace came, is when I can bring with you the clarity of why I don't forget the experience. The first thing that brings a lot of contrast in the experience was that this tank was entirely made of cement and it had a roof on top. So it was early in the morning. This was a very dark space. So the first thing, the last thing I saw with my eyes open, like get, when I was in the terror was the darkness of the space. Mm. And when I went into the state of absolute peace, I saw a light that came from below. And the light was like, like the light of a candle. It was soft, but it was ab able to illuminate the whole water is surrounding. So I'm now like, wow, there's light. Mm. And the next thing that brought a lot of contrast is that I lived in a house that was very noisy. We had birds, dogs, cousins, sisters. And that was the thing I was used to. 
And the other thing is that when I was drowning, I could hear my heart like pounding in my chest. Like I could hear it in my head like a drum, like boom, boom, boom. And when the peace came, the sound was gone. Mm. All sound, all noise was gone. And at that moment was what I call, I experienced the silence behind the silence. Mm. And I craved this silence for the rest of my life. I was like, I want to be in that peace, in that calmness. It was just a space, freedom. And the what happened after this is I, I am now in like the light in this peaceful space when I started to see bubbles suspended in the water. And these bubbles were surrounded by light. And it was by chasing these bubbles that I turned around and I saw my body suspended in the water. Mm. And it was incredible because at this moment, Kevin, it was the sense that, oh, that's my body. <laughs> so it was not even, I didn't feel surprised. I didn't feel fearful. It was just, oh, this, this is my body. I felt the sense of familiarity. Mm. I, I know this, this already happened. Before. So your, your soul had left, your, your, your beingness had left, and you're, you're turning around and viewing your body. Yes, yes. And, and it comes the next incredible contrast. And it was that I was born as a very sick child. And I spent the first almost three years of my life feeling unwell. So this is the thing that is, is pretty strong there. I didn't know what well-being was because I always have been sick. At this moment, I am experiencing such a state of well-being that when I saw the body, I'm like, I'm not going back there. No thanks. So imagine how much awareness I am having through all this whole experience. Hmm. So I look at the body and I turn around and I left it behind. And when I turned around, I started to see flowers that were blooming from like nowhere. And I'm like absolutely mesmerized and all by these beautiful flowers and they pick me up. So even imagine the sense of dimension disappear. I don't know how big these flowers had to be to pick me up, but now I'm being picked up by these flowers. I'm being carried and I am in this absolute state of bliss. No place to go, nothing to desire, nothing to expect. And I put the analogy, is, is the sense like if I went back to the womb where you don't have to do absolutely anything, you're just being done being take, take, taken care of, just going with it. And when I am in this state, in just a blink like that, Kevin, I appear in the maid's room and I'm floating. Like somebody, I, somebody got you out of the water. No. No. Not yet. Not I yet. appear in her room. I'm floating like if I'm looking at her oh. from... Okay, so your 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 soul is still floating around. My soul is floating around. Oh. And I look at her like I am in the ceiling, 
above her. And she, like I mentioned to you, the memories are so clear that I can even remember that she was listening to a soap opera in the radio. And I looked at her and I said, oh, that's Maria. Nothing. She was completely unaware of what was happening. And now it comes the part that really kind of knock your socks out. And it's when nothing happened. And again, in just a flash, I appear in my mom's path. So what happened is that, like I mentioned, she had to work. She left very early that morning. She didn't have a car and she had to cross a, a whole neighborhood to get to the bus stop. And it's when I appear above her again, my, my spirit was floating above her. And I looked at her and I said, oh, that's mom. And the very moment I said that, she stopped. She did not give another step. She did not hesitate. She knew that something was happening at home with one of her babies. And I, I have to say, my mom was a very intuitive person. But I always say to people, it's always so important not just to be intuitive, but to listen to your intuition. And at that moment she did, she turned around and she started to run back home. And I'm looking at her from, again, from above and I'm like, oh, what is mom doing? And at that moment, I, I, it's like I saw in the horizon a dog. And the moment I perceived this dog, I was with the dog. Mm. And I love animals, so it was the sense of, whoa. And then I, now in the horizon, saw a, a park. And the moment I looked at the park, I was in the park. So I started to just, I realized that time and space, as I knew it, had disappeared, had vanished. Now I was in completely different state of being. And, and I started to play this game of going places. And I was having a lot of fun doing this. When again, in just a blink, I appear in a realm that was made of pure, bright, intense, shiny light. Oh gosh, Kevin, it was the first time in the almost three years of my life that I felt that I was home. Mm. So, Oh, this feels so good to be home. I was already feeling good and now I'm feeling like deeply, deeply good. And again, it was the sense of familiarity. Mm. Like not even three years had passed and I was home. And it sounds like the soul's experience is happening timelessly. Whereas your body's in the water and it it couldn't have been in the water that long. It's incredible, isn't it? And um, we will mention that because um, we don't know exactly for how long I was in the water, but it was a while. It had to be close to 10 minutes. Wow. So how I, I am alive is this is a miracle. One, I think one thing that saved my physical body was that the water was frigid cold. And... 
after that is, I would just say, these are just the miracles. We, I meant to be here. And I will talk about that more. What was the, the, the whole message I meant to bring with this experience? But at that moment is when, Kevin, I had the realization that although I had seen my body in the water, I did not realize up to that moment that I was not that persona. And when I had that clarity, that realization, I am not that, is when I felt the sense that I was dissolving, like I was becoming one with the totality, with, with the whole. And it was the, the moment when I realized, oh, I am a being of light. And that up to that point, I was still having what I, I, I call the sense of self. And it started to even disappear. And it's when I uh, enter or, or experience what I call, this people describe in different ways, emptiness, non-self, nothingness. And when people ask me what nothing means, I said, the moment I tell you what is, it becomes something. <laughs> So I said to people, it only can be experienced. But it, the only thing I could say was this um, state of being where there was not um, labels, there was a, nothing you could really describe or nothing you could really, there was no movement, no color, not none of that. It, it was, I would just say, the sense of pure presence. And, and just absolute consciousness. And I am in this state of being when my mom finally arrived home. And this is the other amazing thing. She knew exactly where to go. Mm. And because if she wastes time going to other rooms in the house, I, I definitely, the body cannot take that much. Mm. She went to the back of the house and in sitting still in that flat surface, trying to get me out of the water was my sister. And um, she, I guess later knowing the symbology of everything that happened is when we know that everything carries a purpose and her purpose was to show my mom Ingrid is there. And she said, Ingrid is in the water, mom, I cannot get her. Of course, my mom jumped in the tank, got me out and she worked with children. Look at the synchronicities. This is beautiful because my mom worked with children at the time and she had been trained um, to do CPR for children. Mm. So she wouldn't have known how to do this. She could not have bring me back. So she got me out. She did everything she knew. But at this point, I was so disconnected from this reality from the body that I did not feel anything she was doing. I was in my state of bliss over there. This is the other thing uh, that when I um, mentioned people, the state of emptiness or the state of nothingness, they, they get afraid. Like, how, I don't want to feel that nothingness. And I said, no, because it's the, that, the nothingness, the emptiness that encompasses wholeness. Gotama, the Buddha, used to call it nothingness. And, yes. uh, you know, it, it was said that, you know, he, 
he had to put a, a quote unquote negative spin on it because it's too great to really describe. Yeah, that's why I, when I people, I mean, said, I can tell you what is not, but I cannot tell you what is. You have to experience it for yourself. And then my mom did what she had to do. And again, like everything in this experience, Kevin, I felt like in just a blink, I had jumped from the tallest building in the world. The sense was like that, like I was being vacuum. Like if I jumped and like, and there's nothing I could do to avoid this. Not, nobody told me that I had to go back, nothing. I just fell. You got sucked and back into your body. Sucked back like a vacuum. Yeah. And I resisted this. I did not want to be back. And I, I knew I was back when the feelings of the coldness of the body, when uh, the feeling of being trapped, of the sense of not being well the lack of freedom, all that was back and I was very upset. Yeah. <laughs> I did not want to be here. Wow. Yeah. I feel I want to give you a hug right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is, yeah, no, this is a heavy experience, you know? Yeah. So, okay, you're back in the body. <sighs> Do you try to explain it to mom? Oh, imagine, I lacked the language to explain what was happening, but I had the awareness. So imagine growing up was not easy because at this moment I have an awareness that I didn't have before the experience. I had experienced oneness. So when I'm looking at my parents and I'm relating with my family, to me, they were not just my parents. They were my equal. So what I became a very rebellious person because I will be like, I don't have to take this from you <laughs> and from anybody. I was rebellious. I, I, the other thing, I will look at, at people around me. Imagine the impact, Kevin, when I look at other children, people around and say, what is happening to these people? They don't know anything. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror and looking at my body and saying to, to my mom, I would cry. And I said, I am not this. I am not this child. What am I doing here? Why I have to be here? This is not my name. And I don't want to be here. Yeah. So for my mom, for my parents, it was really hard. At the time, imagine it was early 70s. They didn't know. There was no concept of near-death experiences. They didn't know what was happening. Yeah. It was, it was very hard. And the other thing that was very um, surprising, especially my mom being a teacher, is that no long after my experience, Kevin, I also had abilities that I didn't have before. So I started to just being close to three and now I could read and write. I could resolve mathematical problems. I could put together complex puzzles and it continued for the rest of my life. And anytime they would present to me all this stuff, I, I, it was the sense like, oh, I'm not learning this, I'm just remembering. So it, it was it was the sense I'm just remembering this stuff. Well, you eventually started going to school to become a scientist. Mm 
right? And something happened to you again at 19, right? Yo, yes. Even even before that, Kevin, like um, what happened is that, and this is the other reason why I was never able to forget my near-death experience. And it was because in the experiences never, it did not end there. I always say that for me, it's like the door never closed. And just recently, the being so light, and I will explain what that means or who they are, started to say to me, of course, the door never closed because there is no door. We are the ones that due to conditioning and to beliefs and to culture and to all that, create layers and make a door. But what happened is that um, not long after my near-death experience, I started to have out-of-body experiences. Like astral, like you're just flying out. Yes, yes. And this is another thing. There was no concept of that back then. Unintentional? Like you weren't doing it voluntarily? Yes, it was just happening. So I would just go asleep and I would be back in that realm of the light. And I wanted to be there, like, oh, yeah. Mm. So, and what happened after is like, when I'm going into the the worst crisis, I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't even want to be touched. I didn't want to be here. Then I'm having these um, out-of-body experiences. and, And in one of these experiences, one day I was surrounded by starlight figures. And they're shining in all different colors. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? This was amazing. Now I wanted to really keep sleeping and going there. And in one of these journeys, one day, one of these lights that was shining in pure gold shaped itself into a human form and it approached me and it touched me. And I said, you are a being of light. And oh, of course, after that, I wanted to sleep all the time. But back then, um, of course, a lady that almost that was there for the accident was fired. They hired a new lady. But because I was sleeping all the time, it was good for her. She didn't have to pay attention to Ingrid. So she would let me sleep for hours. But of course, Kevin, everything needs balance. So there was a moment I could not be the child that has left forever. And that's what I wanted. Then is when one day I was four years old by now. So it's been already a while. And I'm like taking a shower and I'm relaxing and just feeling good there. When I saw a huge blue bright light in the bathroom. And it was a being of light. And I said, whoa, now the beings of light are here. And that's when I started to heal. That's when I started to feel, because I got worse. I, I had all these respiratory problems, of course, and with the drowning, it was so bad. I started to heal. I started to feel better. I started to eat. I mean, I could see them everywhere. I could smell them. They just smell like flowers. I could mm-hmm. sense their presence. So I was in such a state of joy because now the beings of light are here then what happened is that ah oh, there was the, the the moment when um 
I just mentioned this to my parents, but they thought, hey, yeah, she's, you know how we look at children. She's just dreaming or she's creating this. She's just saying things that, yeah. that she's inventing. But this is incredible because like I said to you, when I started to have the sense of feeling that, oh, it feels good to be here. And later in my life is when I had the clarity that I didn't have to go anywhere. That home was not a place, was a state of being. Because when I was over there in these out of body experiences, it felt great. But when now I was here and in the presence of the light, it felt good too. So mm. I didn't have to really go anywhere. But although I was feeling so good and, and feeling better, um, I was still throwing tantrums because I didn't have a sense of connection with my persona, with my name. And I, when there was a night where they were calling me for dinner and it's when uh, I wouldn't pay attention, Ingrid, Ingrid, and I'm like, don't call me like that. That's not my name. And then the lady came, we're calling you for dinner. Ingrid and I'm like, stop, that's not my name. And she said, then what is your name? How should we call you? She was so aggravated. And I'm like, I do not need one. And that night they sent me to bed. And this was the first time I was able to also hear voice. So it wasn't just now presence and feeling, smelling, but now I could hear. And it's when the being so light said to me for for the first time, it's going to take time, like almost like in a whisper, like if they were telling me this secret, it's going to take time for them to understand that names are not needed in the realm of the light. Right, right. As you already know. Right. Oh God, Kevin, this sent me that sense of relief because it was like, oh, now I understand why I don't need a name. Hmm. And of course, later- nothing, nothing really does. Like a tree doesn't need to be called a tree, right? Nothing needs to be labeled in the realm of the light. So, but of course, later I understood that in our human experience, we're like a basket and we hold a name, a career, a personality, all these things. And we honor and respect that and love that. But at that moment, it was that clarity. And the other thing that came clear to me, like at that moment, the being so I said, all the experiences that you're having and the ones that you're going to have are not for you to keep mm. someday, but not yet, they said. And they show me the future. Someday you will share this with others. The time will come. And so that materialized around 19, right? They wanted you to write a book. Oh, um, around 19 years old is when they asked me if I wanted to be a teacher. And I said, no, I didn't want to do it uh, when I was 19. Uh, I wasn't ready. I, up to that point, Kevin, I have been like um, experiencing the sense that I was so different from everybody else. That, you know, when we start comparing ourselves with others is when suffering comes because <laughs> we're I wasn't accepting my um, uniqueness. I didn't want to be like this. I, I was, why am I so different from everyone else? 
I could see things, hear things, experience things, know things that nobody else around me did. So um, I had an incredible experience there. The one you're mentioning is when I told the beings of light, like, I wish none of this was real. Because I didn't, I was tired of being different. And they said, okay. <laughs> you know, I always say, people, watch out what you ask for. Yeah. So the moment I said, I hope none of these were real. I was in a bus that day and I always felt like I was an observer. And being in this bus, looking at the street, I felt that I was, my life was of that of observing, like if I was observing the road from this bus. And the moment I said, I hope none of this was real, everything started to dissolve. And I went to experience uh, what I experienced during my near death, but now in awareness. Hmm. I entered the realm of that. Everything disappeared. I, the moment everything started to just turn into just to say particle wave, I, I could even know the constituents biological and, and organic, inorganic that made the bus possible, that made myself possible. I could just hear the vibration. I could hear everything that made possible for the, the matter to hold on together. And all these dissolved and I'm not, like now in a space again of just bright light. And the moment that happened, I am back and I am like, what just happened? And I came back with some questions that were very profound at the moment. I'm 19 years old and I'm asking, how is it possible to forget who we truly are? And when did we stop being one with the whole? And But at the time, like I'm mentioning, because I was feeling a victim, my next question was, why me? Why this is happening to me? And it's when the being so light said to me, in 20 years, you will understand. Mm. I was 19 and I'm like, what? 20 years? What are you talking about? <laughs> but yes, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready back then. And, and then at that moment was when also the being so light, like I mentioned, asked me if I, I wanted to be a teacher. And I said, no. So they knew my answer already. So, but I needed to hear it for myself. And I said, even as the beings of life, people say, how could you say that to the beings of life? But I, at that moment, like every child, the beings of life became like my parents. I've been communicating with them since I was four years old. I was 19. I wanted my space. And the moment I asked them, can I just go? Yes. So I said to people, it's not like, oh, you cut with them and they went away. I said, like with your parents, say that you move away from home, but you just want call away. Your parents never left. You just, mm. you just change frequency. So at that moment, I changed my frequency and uh, I chose a career that helped me ground too. I, I became a marine scientist, a marine biologist at the time. And that career helped me just kind of find that grounding that I needed. And, and after I I have to smile a little bit because I contemplated becoming a marine scientist too. Oh, that's amazing. I was so fascinated with sharks when I was a, a teenager and a kid. So 
I, I love the water when I, I saw when I, the first time I, I saw it, I was around four years old. And I knew Kevin at that age, I told my parents when I was the first time I saw it, I'm like, I turned to my mom and I said, I know someday I, I will know what is under that blanket. Yeah. Like that. And when I was five and I approached my dad and I said, when I grow up, I'm going to be a marine scientist. Mm. He's like, okay. <laughs> and the other thing that people ask me, how could you become a marine scientist if you drown? I was just going to say that. It's ironic. Yeah, shouldn't you be like petrified water? And I said, actually, the opposite. Because water drowning brought me to see the light. Right. So after that, I wanted to go in the depthness of everything. That's why I became a scientist too. I wanted to know the depthness of everything. Okay. So Ingrid, I got to ask, who are the beings of light? That's, they, I, I love your, yeah, this question is really, really precious. Are they uh, ascended masters? Are they alien? Are they angels? Or is that all the same thing? When I give you this answer, you're going to love it because, and I have to add a little bit more to this answer so you, you get it more clearly. Um, I started to see what we call also spirits okay. when I was six years old. So see, this involves like, what is all these different beings in all these different levels? What is this? So when I started to see spirits, the one thing is that uh, when I was around five, my mom, um, she was the one that first validated and said, yeah, I know she's seen something because my mom confessed to me that she could see spirits. So my mom has been seeing spirits since she was very little. And that's another story how we got there. We could talk about that or not, but it's in my book. <laughs> so, so that's when... I was six, I started to see spirits too. And then, but the spirits caused me so much fear. Oh, the first encounter I had, I was petrifying fear. So it's when I chased my mom and I said, mom, no, 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 no. The spirits and the beings of light are not the same. And then so when my mom asked me to describe in, in detail then what, what was it, because she thought we were seeing the same thing. And I said, no, no, no. And when I described with more clarity, now I was six years old, I could be more clear. My mom started to cry and she's like, I think that you see angels. Mm -hmm. And it's when I said to my mom, I don't know, because they don't have wings. Because all we knew was the Catholic teachings. So, so my mom like, oh, they have to be your guardian angels. And th then I went to ask. So that's, that's why I love your question. Ask the beings of light directly. Then the first thing I asked was like, what is with these spirits? Because they cause me fear and I call them dark spirits. Also because they were not shining light like the beings of light. I saw, I saw the spirit like a silhouette. Mm. That was scary. And then when I thought the answer was going to be, oh, yeah, we're different. And it's when the beings of light answered to me and they said, that thing that you call spirits, you, us, we're in essence, we're all the same. The difference 
is the level of awareness that you have about who you truly are. And that's what is going to make the difference at all levels of being, your level of awareness. Hmm. And the other thing is, I said, my mom called you angels. Is that what you are? And they said to me, this was amazing because they said to me, you can call us whatever you want. They said, we are what you want us to be. And and you only see a light being. There's no face, there's no facial hair, there's no nothing. Later in life, I have had many other experiences throughout my life where I was able to see beings of light that appear as human beings of light that appear as animals, beings of light that kept just shining as light, beings of light that were, and, and later when I learned about ascended masters, I asked them, are you ascended masters? They, again, they said to me, in essence, we're the same. But yes, because you, we start meeting different beings that are at different levels of awareness, depending of, again, how much you know about who you truly are and how much experience you have had to get there. It's interesting because I had a very spiritual individual tell me one time that when you pray, you're not, it's not just a God thing. He's like, there's a lot more that can hear you than quote unquote God. Mm -hmm. And he's like, when you pray, you might want to say, you know, beloved God and the heavenly hierarchy and whoever else can hear me. And I'm just like, Whoa, this, this is, this is heavy. Like, cause most people in religion, their, their prayer is to one being, which is God, but there's more to that, isn't there? Oh, there's just then now even more than we imagine. Yes. And it's even like now talking about even our loved ones that we perceive as spirits or whatever, they can also uh, become our guides. They also can become our helpers. They also can become, so it's incredible. What you're saying is true. When we are talking, we're talking to beings that are at all levels of awareness. We're surrounded by so many beings and that's all of us, all of us. And people ask me, how can I connect, communicate with them. This just happens to you, how they summon you, <laughs> or, they, or, they are how they, or you summon them. And I said, there's none of that. There's none of that. The work is that you learn to quiet your mind. When you quiet your mind, you open yourself to listen. And that's what I, as I mentioned it clearly during my near-death experience, I realized myself as silence presence, calmness. And throughout my life, every time I went to that space of silence, presence, I will know what to do. I would know the right answer. I would know the right um, action. And it's when you become this self-empowered being, now you're connected with your inner wisdom and from there, you're able just to, I say, we're like a radio. You learn to put your dial in the right channel. And now you can. Frequencies. Frequency, exactly. You can connect with whatever is there. And, and, and you open yourself to that communication. So, I mean, Ingrid, you're, you're an accomplished scientist. And here you are talking about this stuff. 
a lot of scientists are atheists. A lot of scientists are, you know, proof in the pudding or nothing. How do your colleagues react to this? Because you're, you're telling your story. You wrote a book, uh, The Brightly Guided Life, available on Amazon. What, what do your colleagues think? Yes, you know, this is beautiful because, uh, and you mentioned my book uh, before, which um, again, that stronger call, like the being so light said in 20 years, you will understand when I was 39, is when I start having another series of very strong experiences and what I call a big awakening. Mm. And at that moment is when the calling for the book happened. So the 20, I didn't even realize that 20 years had passed when, oh, yeah, I had this big awakening and now this inner call for wanting to actually start talking and sharing the time was right. Then, but I was still working, yeah, for organizations uh, like uh, NASA, the Navy, and this came and I'm in the state of such elevation. I again, and, and this absolute connection, experiencing oneness, and it's when I ask the beings of life, my connection just, again, my, my phone that I have put down for a while, we just picked up, hey, we're here, connected, My I elevated my frequency, now we're in direct communication again, and it's when I ask the beings of light, what should I do, or what should I say to these people? Because of course, I, I'm like, oh, I want to share this with everyone because I now I am again in like, you know, the big difference when I have my near death experience and all the awareness I have when I was a child, it came to me, but I was not, I didn't have the awareness to understand what was all that about. And that's why I went to the, the, the time of feeling a, a victim and feeling different because um, it's, it's like you have all these gifts, but you don't know the purpose of, of, of the truth of these gifts. So now I, had, I went through all of this is in the book, 20 years of many sufferings and challenges to come to this big awakening and realizing, oh, I know the purpose of my uniqueness now. I know what my NDE happened. I know what all this was for. You're a messenger. Yeah, so these doors open. So I, I want to put this out there. I mean, I had a gentleman on this podcast by the name of Ken Fresky, and he something similar, not a near-death experience, but something came to him, and they basically kept nagging him to write a book. And he wrote a book through them. Yeah, this three is of them. Yeah. And this also happened when a very famous book called A Course in Miracles in the 70s, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. This woman claims that Jesus came to her and she wrote this book through the presence of Jesus. And so this is a common theme with certain human beings through history that these beings are, you know, write a book write a book, you know? Yes, this, it was like that with my book, you know, Kevin, I, although the book uh, tells the, it's an autobiography. When I had to write the book, it came with so 
much clarity. There was, I, I said, I didn't write a book, the book wrote itself. Mm. I could not stop. If I didn't write a sentence or I said, no, I'm not writing that, or it would just stay there and I will write wake up in the morning in the middle of the night I will write when I was driving the car I had to stop I work I had to I have to write this book or I would have been sick but it, it just came and but again so now I want to bring all this clarity to my colleagues to people around me and it's when I ask the being so light again to just go back to what we were talking before what should I do or say to these people and the answer was do or say nothing. They said the light of your awareness is all they need. And that was beautiful and perfect at that moment because they said the most important thing is to be, be that light, shine that light. And the moment to talk and the moment to do will come, but it will come from the place of being. Mm. and that's what I decided to just be that light be that they said they said to me you Ingrid your path is the path of gentleness you're not here to convince anybody about anything mm. be that and if people see if you are the emanation of that joy of that calmness of that compassion of that clarity you don't need to say a word When's the last time you communicated with a being of light? Just a moment ago. <laughs> Before this interview? Yes, yes. This this is beautiful because is um even as we're talking, I when when I have sessions with people, I I do presentations, I do all these, I I just open myself and I say let let's the flow of the light come through me. I said, I'm not doing anything. I always, I am just a vehicle. So like we all are, so let the light shine through, shine through me. That the, the, the best to come, what is the most elevated and most, most needed at the moment, come, come through. Are you still an active scientist or are you pursuing this as a messenger now, as your work? Um, this is uh, what I'm doing now, Kevin. You know, uh, two years ago, it was the point where I just had the complete shift. I kept doing my, my career and kept working as a scientist for a lot, almost 10 years after my big awakening. But I reached the point and I went, I have traveled the world. And, you know, this is incredible. You will be amazed of how many people even scientists in all different realms are getting more and more open because they have had experiences that they don't know how to explain. Right. But they don't feel safe to talk to any to people. But if you create that space, if you let them see that, that you are open and, and that they can trust, then they come to you. And I have been, I would just say, I, uh, in 56 countries, changing science and spirituality. Because in every ship I will go, I was I was going in oceanographic surveys all over the world. I will start talking with the engineer, with the doctor, with the cook, with this person, with this other, and I start realizing, wow, 
there's more people than we really think that are trying to look for deeper, deeper truths. And you seem, you seem very at peace with everything. Did you end up getting married, having kids or anything like that? Did you build out a. Yes. I married actually um, 18 years ago. I have a 14 year old son and, and this is the other amazing, amazing part. You know, when I mentioned when the being so light said to me, don't say or do anything until the moment you will know when, but just be that. And this is another thing. There's, there's two points I, I want to make here that when people ask me the difference about science and spirituality, I said, it's all in the head. I said, spirituality is not religion. Spirituality is not believing anything. Actually, spirituality is science. Mm-hmm. Because you actually, yeah. Yeah. You to prove it, you do it. You don't just believe it stuff. That's not a spirituality. We, as humans, we grow this thinking mechanism. And then somehow, if we're hip to spirituality, we need to <laughs> learn how to use it and or suppress it in a way because it can it, it can drive you it can really affect your life negatively if you let your mind just yeah i say to people oh if you want to know what is kindness be kind now be it experience it compare see the results see you're you are applying the scientific method to your spirituality yeah. It's not about believing anything. It's be that. Yeah. And I have, like with my husband himself, I have the proof. I, For the first um, 11 years of our marriage, I, I never mentioned anything because when I met him, I was living in a war zone. I was a scientist. I was uh, feet on the ground, grounded and doing my thing. I wasn't talking about any of this because I didn't feel that I had really the space or I, I didn't feel that. I could just really share at the time. I, I was really quiet about it. We met, we married, and 11 years later, when I'm already, I had had my big awakening. I, I was already radiating this, this sense of connecting and talking to the world and sharing all these. And I said to him one day in a restaurant, like, mm, what about if I tell you that I can see beings of light (laughs) and that I knew I was going to marry you since I was nine years old, because this is the other thing, uh, Kevin, I started to have visions of the future. Mm. I was four. So he was like, what? But he looked at me with surprise, but at the same time, immediately he just look at me with these big eyes and he said, you know, after knowing you for 11 years, he said at the time, knowing the mom you are, the wife you are, the scientist you are, how grounded you are in the world, the, all the things you've done. So he started to describe all this, the heart that you have, how compassionate you are. If you tell me that you can move mountains, I believe you. So I got to wrap this up in a few minutes. But I have one more question for you. Yes. But before I get into that question, where can people come say hello to you? Where can they find you? Oh, yes, yes, please. Uh, I have a website, which is ingridhonkala.com. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I should spell it or you 
probably you have my name written there. Yeah, Ingrid Honka, H-O-N-K-A-L-A. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, there I um, I do one-on-one sessions. I also have a monthly mentoring class where I just gather life with whoever wants to join me. And I also do interviews and presentations, workshops. So yeah, yeah there's different ways. I, I have a YouTube channel, my media pages. Yeah. So everything under Ingrid Honkala. Last question. Is there an afterlife? Or is there reincarnation or is it a combination of both? You know what I have um, come to know with absolute clarity? I even say, um, I almost could say, I don't call it afterlife because life is eternal. Mm. Never die. Right. So for me, it's like, I started to have access to past life experiences since I was 17. I've seen when I had my, I have had two near death experiences. I, I realized the eternity of who I am. Mm. So I said, I can even not call it after life because there's only life. We never die. The, the physical form changes. We, this stays behind, but our soul continues. We, we are eternal beings. So yes, yes and yes. We, life is all there is. Well, it's been a pleasure. This has been a riveting talk for sure. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, thank you for having me here. It's been an honor, Kevin. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.